0: Grace, mercy, and peace be yours from God our Father, through His Son, Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. The Word of God that calls for our attention this morning comes to us from the Old Testament reading from 1 Kings chapter 3, verse 9. Where Solomon prays, Give your servant, therefore, an understanding mind to govern your people, that I may discern between good and evil. For who is able to govern this, your great people? So far our text. As we come together this morning, for the second Sunday after Christmas, we're faced with the great paradox of wisdom that's found both in our Old Testament reading, but also then in our Gospel reading, where in our Old Testament reading, Solomon prays for wisdom because he is young and inexperienced and needs that to be able to fulfill the job that God has given him as King of Israel. On the other hand, in the Gospel reading, you have the 12-year-old Jesus who is wise well beyond his years, astonishing all those who hear him, possibly bringing them in mind of the reputation that Solomon had after this prayer. But this prayer is not anything unique. We heard about it on Christmas Eve. God giving the same promise to King Ahaz, Solomon's descendant, on down the line. Ask for a sign, be it as high as heaven or as deep as Sheol. And Ahaz, of course, says, no, I will not put the Lord to the test. Feigning piety. But Solomon is the complete opposite. He's like, Lord, I don't even know what to ask. You know, give me the wisdom to even know what there is. Because he says, I do not, that he does not know how to discern between good and evil, how to go in and out among the people of Israel. So he says, This is what I need just the ability to do my job. And as God does with all faithful prayers, he gives much more than we possibly think of when we ask for it. And he says, I give you this wise and discerning mind, so that none like you has been before you, and none like you shall arise after you. And as we look at all the leaders of the world, of all the many countries and kingdoms and nations that have arisen over the course of all of human history, no one has a reputation for being wise like Solomon not only knowing what he needs to be able to govern his people and to settle disputes, but also how to lead his people. And they're going in and they're going out. So as was said about Jesus in the temple at 12 years old, it could be said also about Solomon. All who heard him were amazed at his understanding and his answers. Because as you read through the reign of Solomon, especially in 1 Kings, you see people coming to him from all over the world to ask questions, to see if the report that had been given about him and about his wisdom was actually true. And the Queen of Sheba summarizes it best. I heard about all this, and not even the half was told to me. And so also the teachers in the temple, as they're sitting and questioning and hearing the answers that Jesus gives a year before he should even be starting to study these things, they are astonished at his answers. That brings us to us and our need to know our insufficiency in our understanding of what God does in our world and in our life. We're here today in, I believe, the rarest Sunday in the entire church year, because usually it falls right around Epiphany. We don't often get the chance to celebrate the second Sunday after Christmas, having that option again. We celebrate Jesus' birth, but we don't fully understand why he came to earth in the first place. I mean, we understand sin. We know our own sin, but when we look around at the world and some of the depths that sin takes in people's lives, we're afraid of people being just that sinful. And we aren't alone, because Mary and Joseph didn't understand fully either. As we hear them spending the better part of five days looking for Jesus everywhere else except for the one place that they should have known to look first. And he asked them himself, did you not know that I needed to be in my father's house? We celebrate salvation, but we cannot fathom all that it means. We sang at the beginning of the service, lo, within a stable lies he who built the starry skies. In a stable... In a small town lies the God who created everything. We hear about it, and we just take it for granted because we have heard it every Christmas for as long as we can remember. But we can't fathom the depths of that statement. And the hymns go on and on through the Christmas season. He came down to earth from heaven, who is God and Lord of all. And his shelter was a stable, and his cradle was a stall. The God who created everything that we see and everything even that we don't see came down for the lowliest of births. Came down so that he might rise. And as we'll sing at the end of our service this morning, glorious now behold him arise, God and king and sacrifice. We understand the God part, in part. We understand the king part. But the sacrifice part is what gets us. We don't fully understand what it meant for Jesus to sacrifice himself on the cross. And thankfully, we don't have to understand it. We don't have to be able to give a dissertation as to what the cross means. We simply have to believe it. As Paul said in Ephesians this morning, in Him we have redemption through His blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses according to the riches of His grace. In Him we have obtained an inheritance, having been predestined according to the purpose of Him who works all things according to the counsel of His will. We don't understand the riches of His grace. We praise the richness of all the grace that He shows us. But still, we don't understand why He gives it to us. We don't understand the depth of all those riches. Just like Solomon, simply asking for the ability to be able to govern the people is given much more than he could possibly ever even dream of asking from God. But he asked because he understood that the promises of God are plentiful and they are true. He knew even though he talks about David walking in uprightness and righteousness and all of this and blamelessness, he also knew how his parents got together. He knew that that uprightness, that righteousness was not something that David did. It was something that he received. So also we receive that, as Paul also tells us in Ephesians. In him you also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and believed in him, were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit, who is the guarantee of our inheritance. Listen to the verbs again. In him you also, when you heard the word of truth, and believed in him, were sealed with, with the promised Holy Spirit, all of it past tense, all of it already happening, all of it also passive, any of you who have been in any type of relationship, which is everybody in this room, knows that hearing is not necessarily an active thing, that sometimes you have conversations with people and you know they're not listening. But then later on, something sparks and they recall this conversation that you know they weren't listening to, but they can remember it. Believing also is not an active thing because our minds want to sit there and figure everything out. That's not faith, that's not believing. And then we were sealed. We were given that promise of salvation. Not because of anything that we did. Because of his promises. Because of his steadfast love shown to David, to Solomon, and to each and every one of us. So that we can say that he is faithful to us. That he has given us far more than we could possibly ask for. And he still comes to us asking what we want from him. And the faithful answer is to simply say, Lord, give me your love. Give me that wisdom which came down from heaven, became flesh and dwelt among us. Give us that wisdom in which we were chosen before the foundation of the world to be called holy and blameless in your sight. Give us the wisdom to know that we have been adopted as sons and daughters of the heavenly King. Amen.